Good morning. It is good to worship with you this morning. You guys are sounding good. I enjoy listening to you all sing worship songs to God. Thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, my name is Gary. I'm the senior pastor here. And if you're new here, I want to say a special welcome to you. Thank you for being our guest today. You are an answer to prayer. I've been praying for you and your family. And um, as a guest, I hope you find our church to be a warm and welcoming group of people. Um, I have a free gift for you. Uh, so it, on your way out this morning, if you're a guest, just stop by the welcome desk and let us know. Say, hey, I'm new here, and, and we'd be glad to give you that gift as a way of saying thank you for being here with us this morning. Kids, it's always good to see y'all here this morning, and I promised you last week that uh, we'll give you the full details on what we're going to be doing on Saturday, April the 8th. Now, I've made some pretty big, I don't know, expectations about what's going to happen. I hope these uh, this lives up to your expectations on what you think uh, we might be doing. Last week, I showed you a picture, uh, a black and white picture. Do you have that picture? Can you show that picture again? Um, there's a lot of hints here about what we're going to do for fun. I promise it's going to be fun. In fact, CJ, would you come on up here and um, help us to um, help help the kids see how much fun this picture might could be? Yeah, sure. So um, I told the students Wednesday night that we had something epic planned. They're like, you better not underwhelm us. So if you're underwhelmed, I'm sorry. So let's let's do this. Y'all ready? Let's do like a countdown. Let's just make it more epic than what it's supposed to be. Okay, you ready? Three, two. Oh, hold on, hold on. I forgot we did the chili cook-off last Sunday. Let's uh, let's give away these awards for. <laughs> it's like the best game show ever. Oh, oh, all right. So last week we did the chili cook-off, which. I'm not going to give you the full results because where I finished in that, I'm kind of ashamed of. Um, but in third place, we had Ada. I'm sorry, we had Brett. It was Ada, but Brett is here to receive the award for her. So each of our... So third place, there you go. There you go. In second place was Benji. So Hayden's going to take that for Benji. And I'm eating some crow having to give this award out, okay? Just so y'all know, y'all can ask her about the story later, but I'm eating crow right now. In first place was Marita. So you have to wear this while you're leading worship. And you got this cool medal, too. I'll just tell you about it. <laughs> We're on a tight I brought a chili that was not red. And he decided because it was not red and didn't have meat, and I looked up the definition, it only has to have meat and spices, that my chili was not chili. You will never live this down. I'm just going <laughs> to All right, let's give them all a round of applause. All right, all right. So we'll, we'll get back to the, the thing y'all really want to find out. All right, three, two, one. I hope this doesn't fall. Do you know what that is? All right, this is a foam machine, okay? And so what we are going to do for the Easter egg hunt is we are going to create a foam egg hunt. 
Yeah, it sounds completely ridiculous, but fun too. So imagine as you walk through this foam, there are eggs everywhere. You're not just bending over to pick up Easter eggs. You're looking up to pick up Easter eggs. As you come out, your children will be completely covered in foam and water. So you're going to need to bring a towel, okay? It's going to be the most epic foam egg hunt you have ever... Have you ever been to a foam egg hunt? No, you haven't, but until April 8th. Okay, so April 8th, 1 o'clock, we're going to fill up the side yard. Did we decide the side? We, one of the places is going to be full of foam with Easter eggs all in it. Now, the eggs won't float in the foam with candy in it, so we're going to give out bags of candy, but it's going to be super fun, super epic. If you would love to help that day, there is a sign-up sheet on the welcome desk, so put your name on there. We need people to help put Easter eggs in the phone. We need to help um, clean it up, all that good stuff. So it's going to be fun, and the thing lasts for like five hours. The egg hunt only lasts for two so if you're in the cleanup crew, you got three hours of fun after the clean after the party's done, okay? And then every kid is going to get some invitations in kids' church today to hand out to some of their friends. And then starting next Sunday, we're going to be taking up candy. So if you want to bring in some candy, we'll have our famous candy box out there by the door. You can drop off candy. It doesn't matter if you bring chocolate this time since we're not putting the, the candy in eggs, okay? I hope you're not underwhelmed. <laughs> Thank, Thank you all. You. Thank you, CJ. So what do you think, kids? Is that going to be fun? Yeah? Are there any, any kids that are a little bit older that think it's going to be fun? Like adult kids? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was figuring. Um, so yeah, grab those invitations when you go up to kids' church. Um, start thinking about your friends and your cousins. Invite them. Let them know that you want to hunt Easter eggs in foam with them this year. And they'll look at you funny, and, but you'll know. You'll know this is, this is legit. This is fun. So um, definitely bring a towel, uh, maybe some swim goggles. Uh, the, some of y'all, the foam might be over your head. So definitely uh, bring some goggles. It'll be something you won't forget about. So kids, thanks so much for being here. Uh, you're dismissed to go to the lobby to jump up to kids' church. Kids' church is for our kids in kindergarten through sixth grade and they'll be dismissed to the lobby after church is over. So as they're leaving, I want to I want to say my family and I want to say thank you. Uh, this past year has been a joy. It has been a joy to be your pastor. It is a joy to be your pastor, and we have grown to love you all very much. And, uh, and my wife and I and our daughters, we appreciate the way m many of you all, in fact, I don't know that anybody has expressed hatred toward us yet, but... Uh, <laughs> My, you all have expressed love toward us, and we've we've appreciated that. Thank you so much for the gifts uh, last week and over this past last year. Um, I do want to let you know uh, uh, that you should be getting a letter in the mail. You may have already gotten it from me this week. Um, the letter is um, gives you the contact information for the deacon uh, who has been assigned to be your point person in, in case you ever need care from the church. And so, um, so just be looking for that, that letter in the mail. Uh, I have the, their phone number. And um, I know that many of our deacons reached out to our church over this past week just to see if, if you may have needed any help with uh, restocking your refrigerator or picking up limbs or anything like that. And so uh, as you have need, if you have need, um, definitely let, uh, let your deacon know. Uh, they know to get in contact with with the office, and and then Heather knows to to contact the rest of our care team and and make sure that we love each other well um, as we need to. And I'm thankful for our deacon team and our our care team uh, for our for our desire to love each other and to care for each other well. Um, if you don't receive that letter, 
this week, let us know. Uh, we might have a, a bad address or something like that, but uh, our telephone number is there in the bulletin. So. so this week marks the halfway point in our series in Jonah. I hope it's been a good series so far for you. We've only gotten through the first chapter, and we're going to start there again this morning. Um, but it's, it's leading us up to Easter. And speaking of Easter, I want to just show you, um, this is a postcard that we created. Uh, and I want you to be praying about someone uh, who you can invite to Easter uh, coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, we'll have these out in a couple of weeks. But just for now, um, be praying. Uh, who, who might you be uh, needing to contact and invite to Easter service with us uh, coming up? Um, so go ahead and open up to Jonah 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 17. We'll read all the way through chapter 2, but chapter 2 is only 10 verses, so it's not going to be a lot this morning. I hope that you're spending time with the book of Jonah throughout the week. I'm asking you to read it each week as we go through this series, and it just takes a few minutes to read this whole, whole book. Uh, my hope is that after we finish this series in Jonah, you're going to have a full understanding of what Jonah is about. You'll be able to see that its message is still important today. And at the end of this series, I'm going to encourage you to share the message of Jonah with a friend or a family member. Perhaps it might be the same person you invite to Easter. You'll have the background of Jonah. We've talked a lot about the background of the Ninevites and of Jonah this, this series. You'll have the storyline. It'll, it'll all make sense together uh, in one big story, the, you'll have you have the gospel points there in your bulletin, uh, some discussion questions. We're having discussions, really good discussions on Wednesday nights, and uh, you'll have additional resources there in your bulletin to help you share the gospel that's found in Jonah. If you have a friend or a family member who has disconnected themselves from church over the past few months or maybe a few years, the story in Jonah is a good biblical message to share with them to bring them back. To the church, to invite them back into the fellowship of the church. And Easter is a great time to, to invite them back. We would love to have them here at White Plains for sure, but if you share the story in the gospel of, in Jonah and it gets them into a gospel-preaching, Bible-believing, Jesus-following church, then well done. Good job. This is a message uh, that, that, that many people need to hear. In fact, I think there's a message in Jonah for you. Uh, the story of Jonah is about a man running from God, about a patient and loving and merciful God running right after him. And last week I added three more characteristics of God that he is sovereign, powerful, and purposeful, and he's running after Jonah. We're learning so much about God here in Jonah. We're learning a lot about Jonah here also, and I trust that you might be learning a little bit about yourself as we look into these pages of Jonah. Let's start in Jonah 1.17, and we're going to read all the way through the end of chapter 2. So uh, follow along with me here in Jonah 1.17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. 
All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountain. I went down to the land whose bars closed up on, upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth here in Jonah. Salvation belongs to you. And help us to remember that this morning. Help us to trust in that, not only for ourselves, not only for our friends, but for this church, for this community, for this world around us. Salvation belongs to you. Be with us as we continue this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jonah finds himself in a desperate situation. Don't you think? If you've been with us the past couple of weeks, you know that it's his own doing, though. Jonah is in a desperate situation. He's running from God. He thinks God is wrong. He would rather die than to obey God's commands for his will and for, for God's will in his life to go tell the Ninevites. Jonah was on a boat that encountered a storm. The storm was so severe that experienced sailors were scared for their life. They ultimately figure out that Jonah is responsible and Instead of confessing and repenting, Jonah says, throw me overboard. Jonah is in a desperate situation. Jonah is looking for death. He's looking to be freed from his running. He's tired. He was asleep in the middle of that storm. The boat couldn't escape God's sovereignty. God sent the storm. Jonah figures maybe the stormy sea will be the way he can escape and ultimately run for, from God. Perhaps the deep will give him the death that he desires, but God is sovereign everywhere. Jonah can't escape God. He can't escape God's mercy. God has a plan for Jonah's life, and even Jonah can't mess up that plan. God sends a whale. Now, Remember, this story in Jonah is not about the whale, but we do have a whale, and we have it right here. In fact, we only have it right here. Now, I've been tempted to speculate on this whale. Was it a normal whale? Was it a special one-time-only whale? Uh, what was it like on the inside of the whale? Was it warm? Was it wet? Was it stinky? Um, I've often thought about that whale, and I'm sure you have too. To, to speculate about the whale, it's okay. But don't miss the point of the whale by trying to understand the whale. The story is not about the whale. 
God appoints this whale to swallow up Jonah. Then at the end of chapter 2, God says to the whale, get rid of him. And he vomits him up out onto dry land. Now we're told what we need to know about the whale, which isn't very much. But we're told what we need to know about the whale. What we're told about the whale tells us much more about God. The whale tells us that God is sovereign. God is powerful. And God accomplishes what he wants. Look back at uh, 1, General 1, starting in verse 17 again. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the whale, the fish, three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. What came first? Was it the whale or was it Jonah's prayer? Is God answering Jonah's prayer with the whale? The the prayer happens from within the belly of the whale. And I think if we're not paying attention, if we just read through these words and let them go in one ear and out the other, we might miss this. God appointed the whale before Jonah prayed. Jonah never asks God to rescue him. Not once. In chapter 2, Jonah records that he is aware that he is sinking. As the sailors throw him overboard, he realizes he is sinking. Jonah realizes and is maybe even hopeful that death is coming. Jonah never asks God to rescue him. He still seems content to die. But then this whale shows up. God is sovereign everywhere. Inside this whale, Jonah finally stops running. Inside this whale, Jonah finally talks to God. Inside this whale, Jonah finally prays. He is desperate. His prayer comes at a desperate time from a desperate place. And here's the great thing about God. In your notes, God hears desperate prayers. God hears desperate prayers. Have you ever experienced a desperate situation that made you pray a desperate prayer? God, God heard that prayer. God hears desperate prayers. And not only that, God answers desperate prayers. In your notes, I've listed a few other desperate prayers of the Bible. There are many, many others, but here's just a few, and they're all in the Psalms. Psalm 23, 25, 26, 27, and 28. They all come from David. David was a desperate man who longed for God. David was often overwhelmed with his sinful nature. He understood God's mercy, especially as he realized the weight of his sin. This summer, our next-gen pastor, CJ, and I will be preaching through some of these psalms. This will be a wonderful series of getting to know God in the psalms. But let's look back at Jonah here. He is desperate. He is sinking to the bottom of the sea. 
I've never had a, deer, a near-death experience, but I've heard that people's life flashes before them, and they, they recount the things that matter. Here we see Jonah examining his life. Jonah examined his life. As he's sinking, he's examining his life. He's realizing the situation he's in. In, uh, in verse 3, he writes, The flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. I really think that Jonah is here looking up as he's, as he's sinking, and he's thinking, this is it. Finally, I'm going to die. In verse 5, Jonah writes, The waters closed in over me to take my life. Jonah is at the bottom of the sea. He continues in verse 5, Weeds wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. Jonah realized his situation. As he realized his situation, Jonah understood God's sovereignty. The sovereignty of God has been a big theme here in Jonah so far, and it's often at the expense of Jonah. God's sovereignty is a big theme. Here in chapter 2, Jonah recognizes that the waves and the billows belong to God's rule. God is sovereign. In verse 6, Jonah gives God's sovereignty the credit when he says, Yet you brought me up from my life, brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Jonah's final, final words in this desperate prayer from within the belly of the whale are this salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah understood God's sovereignty. Jonah's at the end of his rope. Do you, do you see that? Do you sense that here as Jonah is praying to God at the bottom of the sea? He's at the end of his rope. There's nowhere else he can go. He's been running, but he's at the end of his rope. In verse 7, Jonah writes, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. Jonah waited until he was at the end of his rope before he called out to God. It didn't have to be this way, though, did it? Jonas had all kinds of opportunities to call out to God. He could have just obeyed God. That would have been the best option. We, we wouldn't even have had this story if he just obeyed God in the first place, and he went to Nineveh. He could have cried out during the storm. He could have pleaded with God on behalf of the sailors to spare them and their ship. But he waited until he was at the end of his rope, swallowed up by a whale before he called out to God. Now, don't get too excited that maybe this is a turning point for Jonah. It's not. It doesn't get, it doesn't get much better for Jonah later on, but as Jonah examined his life, he realized his situation, he understood God's sovereignty, and he was at the end of his rope. I want you to see this. Because I think we give Jonah too much credit. Jonah doesn't confess or repent. He doesn't confess or repent. His heart remains unchanged. This right here is my biggest fear for you. This right here is my biggest fear for me. This right here in Jonah as a pastor, is my biggest fear for our church. That we recognize God's sovereignty, 
and we come to the end of our rope and we remain unchanged. 